Um, it's recording. Hey guys, uh, one of the things I, I today finally I put all the talks that we've had so far and the English talks and the Spanish talks. See any one of you speaks Spanish online, and I'm gonna send you a link later on. It's kind of a podcast, so you guys can uh, listen to it. You can listen to the American talks that maybe they ask different questions or and. Uh, the presentations too are going to be there. You can download them. I think, you know, um, my goal with all this was to start sharing things. If people get together and sharing. And it, it looks like we started with 100 and something people and now we have 20 something people. And I believe a lot, of, a lot more and you guys in Southeast Asia now, I know in Singapore because you got locked down uh, you probably have more groups of doing Zoom things online, and that's a great thing. And that's the goal is the the coaches share as much as as possible. Right? Uh, I think the the first thing that we could do is uh, if any one of you has any questions for Mark from last week, anything that you've thought about it, or for me about what we talk. Nobody? Awesome. Mark, you wanna you wanna say anything else about what you talked last week? No? I I think for me, like I'm not gonna go into since people don't ask me questions in the sense of I think the important thing would be that you guys present things. You know, I'm gonna talk about two things maybe. Uh, about two things that I I've talked many times, and they might seem basic things. It's not about training. Uh, it's about um, the same theme that I've been having with you guys about believing in yourself and all this. I think these two talks, I gave them uh, in Kuala Lumpur two years ago. And I'll just start with one of them, and then we can go from, them, from there. Uh, you know, let me... Find it. Hold on. All right. Uh, I'm gonna share my screen. Uh, and. I call this TEP or TEP, and it's called uh, Tradition, Excellence, and Passion. Right? And since I wasn't sure what people wanted to talk about it, and I just pulled these things out of my computer maybe 15 minutes ago, but I think they're very good. They're like, you know, and, and you can see at least my honest way of thinking or honest way of trying to build something, you know. Um, I think it, what's important is to have a philosophy like we talked before and have an ultimate goal. And ultimate goal, you know, doesn't have to be uh, a short term. You know, I think the ultimate goal, it would be what can I be in four years or in five years or in eight years, depends on the type of trap that you have, you know. Like for me, you know, when I was, when I was a high school coach, and I said this before, my ultimate goal was to teach each student athlete to understand and appreciate, to understand, appreciate, and develop their unique talent so they can be successful in the pool and in the classroom. Remember, we talk about these two, these three things that are important, the swimming, the social life, and the academics. And that's a very important thing. It doesn't matter at what level you are. Uh, now, the ultimate goal for me at that point, you know, um, was to, to give every swimmer that I had between the ages of 14 to 18 a chance to go on and swim at a Division One, Division Two, Division Three, or community college, you know. Um, and and in the time that I was at Bowls, I was very privileged. I only had one guy. I, I think I sent over 200. Here says 20 swimmers, but it's a mistake. I think I sent over 200, 210 swimmers in co to college. Only one kid didn't go to college. But he ended up going to jail. You know, he he, he was an, a poor guy. He took the wrong the wrong turn. Right? But that was an ultimate goal. Now, in my club, we had from 
six years old to 18 years old. Right? And, and with the coaches, the age group coaches, we set up a progression and a thought process. So whenever they, they become to my group between 14 and 18, we could keep developing them and send them to college. You know, important things that to, ha to have and to know. It's important to have a philosophy, reasons why I coach for, for me, because I believe that we all have many talents in our life, you know, and, you know, uh, our swimmers feel their talent to one degree or another. Talent doesn't mean that you're going to be an Olympic champion. Talent means that you have a good sensation about something, you know, and you can develop it to whatever level, you know. Sometimes you take on painting and, and you realize that you cannot be a Picasso, but you can do some pretty good things, and that's very important, you know. It doesn't matter. The most important thing with a talent is that people judge talent by the medals that they get, and that's wrong. Right? Um, if they are successful at appreciating their talent, they will be able to transfer that into their work ethics, passion, goals, goal setting, etc. to anything that they do in life. You know, I think you've seen all of you, the, a lot of the life skills that you have, if you were a swimmer, you learn them from being a swimmer. And you can translate those life skills into being a parent, into being a, a good boss, into being a good friend. Right? I think the most important thing for me has been to teach people to appreciate the moment in time. You know, the mo you, you work for a goal and every step that you take and every big step, for example, every competition, every exam, that's a moment in time in your life. And, you know, how can you enjoy that moment in time? Even if you were expecting to get a, a perfect score or to make the Olympic Games and you f get a 90% of a perfect score or you miss the Olympic Games, you know, and that's a very important thing because, you know, we only feel that failure is bad and that we're disappointing mainly more people than ourselves. You know. Ultimate goal, you have to have, a, uh, to have a path as a coach, not to, be to become com complacent. I think the goal that like we talked before has to be dynamic. You know, I want to coach an Olympic champion. And that was, that was my goal when I was, before I started a coach. I always wanted to coach an Olympic champion. And, um, but then I realized long before I had an Olympic champion that m my thought process changed, you know, that I could retire from coaching without having to coach an Olympic, have, have had the chance to coach an Olympic champion just because everything that I was able to do had a very good meaning to people's life, you know. I got a medal in the Olympics in 1988 and until 2008 20 years later i didn't really appreciate it because i didn't understand what that meant you know uh the goals the goal is a dynamic goal and it changes with without you realizing it because the expenses that you have you know and as i explained to you my dynamic changed. you know i, I wanted to be an olympic champion i became uh, i i was a, a bronze medalist so I was disappointed for four years until I realized that that was very special. You know, I wanted to coach an Olymp NCAA uh, championship team, and then I had to leave college because my mom was not in a very good situation, and I had to help her and I'll find a different place. But the, mo the most important thing is understanding the moment in life. The philosophy and ultimate goal. If you don't have a philosophy and ultimate goal, you need to start now before you start planning a season and before you start thinking about sets and before you start thinking about energy systems, you know, and, and all that. Um, I think, um, you know, you need to start now thinking and reflecting for at least five minutes every day and you will find it. It will make sense for you. Uh, why kids don't want to swim? I'm not sure in Southeast Asia, but I'll tell you that uh, here, in America, a lot of kids don't want to swim because it's not a team sport. We lose a lot of kids to baseball, to football, to soccer, to lacrosse, anything that, that it's a team sport, you know, because swimming is too much work individual. You know, it's not fun. You know, a lot of kids in America, a lot of kids are self-conscious of swimming in a speed, practicing in a speed. You know, the kids like, like games. I always said that swimming is not a game. Swimming is really a sport. You know, football is a game. 
baseball is a game. Yeah, it's a sport. You have to practice to a certain degree, but it's a game. So in a game, you can have a bad day and still win. In a sport, you have a bad day and you're done. You know? um, so I think it's important you know, to understand that and to make sure that when you create a philosophy, you know that you have to make swimming as a sport, as a sport, as a team uh, sport, a team event. You know, if you look at the numbers, less than 1% of the year-round swimmers in America make it to the national team. And in America, you have just in USA Swimming for more than 400,000 400, swimmers registered for swimming. You know, you have a lot, a lot more opportunities to be successful as a student athlete in high school and in college than as a year-round swimmer. Meaning that a high school swimmer swims 12 to 16 weeks a year, maybe in the summer, that summer league. A college swimmer, many of them, they only work 144 days a year. And after that, some of them do maintenance, some of them, they go and work. And honestly, if you look at the rewards that they can get, from scholarships, from uh, going to college, from being part of a team, from everything that comes from being in a college team after swimming high school. It's huge. Yeah. Kids love to race and win. Kids love to be part of a team. It gives them pride of being successful as a group. It's less scary to, to be successful as a group than to have the responsibility of just going out there. It takes pressure away from individuals. It is not for me, but it's for my teammates. and it's. It, it's easier to get a kid to swim faster in yards than in long course meters. That's for me, for example. Uh, I know in Singapore, a lot of people have long course pool, but, and I came from Europe, where in Spain, we always train in long course pretty much. And for me, it's a lot easier to keep, build a team and keep the kids in the sport training in a short course pool. You can keep the technique better. You can race faster every day. The psychology of how you do things is so much different. And so much better. In a long course pool, it's just up, down, up, down. And, and that for little kids, it's really hard. You know, when I was at West Virginia, I built a club that in less than a year, I had over 160 kids. And most of the kids until they were, I don't know, like 12 or whatever, they swim in a 16-year pool. Why? It was 15 meters wide and maybe 10 meters, 50 meters long and 10 meters wide. Why? Because I, I had four lanes. I could have the coach go from one side to the other, giving instruction, holding the technique, and teaching them how to understand speed and have fun. You know, and that's, that's very important. Sometimes we worry, oh, long course, long course, long course. You know, the use of the TEP or TIP, I don't know how you pronounce that. It's, it's like an acronym that I created a while back. It's for tradition, excellence, and passion. I think those three things I know nowadays more and more. Passion is something that's overrated or not overrated. The people use it like, like with no meaning, you know. But I think these three things, you can have a combination of these three things. You can be very successful. It doesn't matter what happens outside of your, uh, your, or your club. If you have a good tradition and you create excellence and you're passionate about what you do, people will come to you. And the reason they come to you is because success and all these things are very contagious, and people want those things. Yeah. A tradition, I believe it can be established in less than 15 months, you know, a year and a half. You know, I think when I went to Singapore, I didn't stay that long, but the mindset of the National Training Center really changed, and the way the kids thought, thought process. My goal was in five years to try to change the mentality of the country. For one reason or another, I left after 18 months. But, uh, you know, I think, I, I think by the time I left, a lot of the thought process of the kids was already in the right place. You know? There's something exciting and contagious. You know, everybody wants to be part of something. Um, it grows quickly, much quicker than you want. Sometimes the line is like this, the first 10 months or 12 months. But out of the blue, it moves exponentially really, really, really up. And you have to be careful because you have to control that, that improvement. It is a state of mind. Everything, all this success and all this is a state of mind. And you have to 
make sure that you feed that, you know. Like at WVU, it's West Virginia University. We had no tradition. I was, you know, the coaches that were there before me destroyed the team. And, you know, um, the, the coach that was there for 30 years, like, well, I think he stopped 10 years before me. You know, he had some very interesting things and people like him, but there was not really tradition with the sport. And in three years, we built a, we built a team that was from the bottom of the nation, to top 20 in the nation. You know, and we were, the year before I got there, they were 11th in the conference, 900 points from the top team. And three years later, we won the conference by one and a half points and we beat teams that right now one of the teams is Louisville that has been building a, a, a pretty big team uh, right now it's in the top six in the country and Bolt's the same thing Bolt's had a great tradition and so I cannot say but when I got there I was the third coach in 18 months and uh, it was not a very stable place that's some very interesting things going on Singapore, I believe in Singapore, I was able to change the mindset of people, you know, maybe not as a country because a lot of people were very skeptical and uh, some of the top coaches in Singapore, uh, they, they, even though they voted for me to go there, in the moment that I, I got there, they didn't want to work with me. So it was very hard to, to do certain things outside of the national training center but I, I was very happy with what we what happened over there excellence starts with the coach you know you don't have to be cocky you don't have to be like oh i'm the best but you have to believe that you're going to do something good and you have to strive for excellence you know and excellence is not what other people do it's what you can do every day thinking okay what is the first version version of me today and what i can do and how can i improve to be better you know everybody says gives us examples oh this person is so good because blah 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 and then you find out that he's a he's a killer you know he has a so it's like you have to really be honest with yourself if you need help you can always find a good mentor or somebody who can help you out with their experiences but you don't copy people you trust yourself and, and, and you know try to set that excellence as something that you strive every day don't look at what you don't have that's very important don't worry like you know in singapore one of the things that i was very upset is that we had too much you know too much too much for too many young people and too many too much with uh, uh biomechanics doctors psychologists it was just like a, sometimes nobody knew what to do to work together so Whatever you have, make it the best. You realize what you have at 110%. If you work hard, they will learn by example. And that's the most important thing. If you work hard and you're honest, you can make mistakes. But if you correct them and you work hard, your kids and your parents will appreciate you. Discipline. You know, you have to have the discipline. You have a goal and you have a thought process, you have to trust and be consistent. I guess the most important word that you can utilize is consistency. How can I be consistent with this? How I can be consistent with that? And every day, don't do too much if you can't, but do something, and the next day do something, and the next day do something. So the consistency of that is like putting a penny on the bank. You know, 60 years later, you have some good money. Passion. Uh, passion I like to talk about passion because I think I'm a very passionate person because I understand how to move myself through the feelings that I have you know and uh, you know I, I try to not manipulate my emotions but to understand how I can move my emotions you know and I can make myself cry I can make myself uh, be very emotional I can make myself feel like if I was competing even if I'm sitting in a chair you know passion is in everyone you know some people have very dysfunctional lives and it's very hard for them to find it. But uh, you have to deliver your thoughts with a purpose. You cannot force people to say, this is what you got to do because if you don't do this, you will not be successful. But you can deliver things the way you speak 
and the way you present yourself, making people understand that, wow, my coach really means well, and he really cares for me. And if he wants me to do this, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, swimmers will feel and share your passion and be true to what you feel. Right? Sometimes you want to yell at your swimmers and da-da-da, and, you, and you, before you do that, maybe you have to walk away, take a deep breath, think about it, and then come back. And if you do that, you will understand what it is that you feel. If you just react and react and react and react, you will have a very hard time. Passion, it grows quickly, and it's also very, very contagious. So if you're a very passionate person, people will come towards you, you know, and, and, and will want it to feed off that. You know, one of the things that um, Mr. Schooling, Joseph Schooling, that told me one time, I'm not sure if I've already talked about this before, was that, Sergio, you know, when you are away from the pool and you, you're, you're somewhere at a competition and you leave the team here, the practice is not the same without you. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, because when you're in the pool deck, you command some sort of respect and some sort of like, uh, the kids want to wanna train because you're there. And the kids want to do something because you're there. And I never realized this until somebody really, Mr. Schooling, point, point that out to me. And that doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody else, or that doesn't mean that I'm special. I think that's something that maybe I cultivated for many years, trying to understand the swimmers that I have in front, trying to work with them, not trying to be just so like. And, you know, a lot of my assistants, you know, sometimes I, would, I had to fire one of the assistants because... I left, and in less than one day, I had 12 messages from parents and people complaining, that, yelling at me, doing this, blah, blah, and blah, blah, and blah, blah. You know? so, so that's something that you have to understand. Be passionate, express yourself, you know, learn how to have a good presence on the pool deck. Fear is not going to get you anywhere. Uh, make, make swimming exciting and fun. You, know, you have to be creative with practice. I think it's important in practice to create competition and race at practice. It's many people wait for meets and meets and meets. And sometimes you have one meet a month or one meet every six weeks, you know? So kids don't want to just keep training and training and more and more nowadays, you know, you have uh, the internet, uh, the phone, the Xbox and all this stuff that the kids are just always stimulated and they need to be doing things. So think about that. That's not, that's not gonna hurt your long-term goals. Like for example, for me, but this was 25 or 26 years ago, when I became, my first job was a head coach of a team and, um, in Arizona, and I had, I had 12 swimmers my first year in my group. And I didn't know how I could attract kids because most of the kids didn't want to swim year-round. They wanted to swim high school. So I created two groups in my group. One was blue and one was uh, red. Those were the colors. And um, without forcing it, that group grew 225 swimmers in two and a half years from the ages of 14 to 18. Because every Wednesday we had a competition. And every Wednesday, we had the blue and the red, and they competed against one another. And the thing kept building and building. And I had some swimmers that came every day, and some swimmers that only came Wednesday at the beginning. But then they would come Saturday, or they would come some other days. And at one point, we went from 12 swimmers to 125, and to be, I think, in three years, we were uh, second at junior nationals in the U.S., you know, in the men's team. So that was pretty impressive. At balls, we created the same thing, the blue and orange cup. I had to cut it because a lot of my coaches, some of my coaches didn't really thought that that was a, a good thing. But, um, but yeah, we created that and it was very exciting. Build the team with relays. This is one thing that I tried to do when we were in Singapore. You know, build things with relays. Why? Because even if you have a bad day in a competition, if you can finish the session, with you really winning or doing something special, everything else doesn't count because the kids are going to be so excited and they're going to come back the next day. 
for more and for more and for more. You know, one of our strategies at the SEA Games in 2015 at home was to win every single relay, every night, because there's six nights, there were six relays. And if we could win every relay and, make, you know, just cheer and be excited and get the crowd behind us in Singapore in, at the OBCV or the center or whatever you call it, I forgot about it, every, every day, every, every day will be a, a great thing. And the next day, we had the power. And if you, if you watch the, the psychology of how everything went, after the first day, the other teams, Indonesia, this and that, they start like, oh, by the third day, the other teams were more nervous about us than about what they could do. You know, so we had an edge over them. And that's very important. And that happens at all levels. Set a goal and sell it to the kids. Hey, sell it the right way, not by fear, not by this. Just, hey, I believe that we can do this. I believe that right now we're on the bottom of this place, but if slowly, you know, we support one another and we do this, and these days we practice these things, and these days, and maybe the first minutes that we go, when nothing's going to happen, but we stick together, we're going to be very good. And you'll see how, before you know it, and you make it exciting and people will survive. You know, transitions from high school to college swimming, to college to USA swimming, that's, you know, I, I really believe in my case that by using this tradition, excellent passion, every year the transition will be easier and easier and you will have created a culture. You know? uh, in college, we're very lucky in America that college athletics is a totally different world. You know, it's like La La Land. It's like Disneyland of, for the little kids, you know. You come into my team and you have doctors, you have a team of 70 swimmers, you have, uh, you, you can go to a football game in, in the weekends that you have 70, 80,000, 100,000 people in the stadium. You have, it's a basketball games of 14,000, 15,000 people. And it's like, everything's about being part of that, you know, and it's so exciting, you know. And, College competitions are like uh, impressive. It's all, they only last an hour and a half, but it's just competition and race and race for an hour and a half. Each swimmer races four times, and it's it's really really good. The, the important thing about the TAP is don't rush. It. You know, it, it will work if you have a good plan and if you understand what the kids in the area you live and need uh, uh, live in need and want. Like remember, I told you I think last time. For me, it takes around six months. You know, when I go to a place, I don't try to change things right away. Why? You know, if I came to Singapore and said, oh, we got to do this because I believe in this and because I did this here and this here and this here, uh, you know, not that, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do many things. As it is, I, the, 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 the Singapore mentality and my mentality, we, we, we clash a lot, you know, because... People over there, even though they brought me to be excellent, they didn't want to be excellent. They were afraid that they would lose swimmers. They were afraid that they, they didn't see the long-term benefit of things. They didn't see that if we became successful, everybody becomes successful. It will trickle down to everybody and we'll have much faster swimmers for a longer time and each club could make much more money because things will be organized. But too many people making little money thinking that they make a lot and, you know, had a lot of interest that give them insecurities, you know. Success is, is contagious and if you create a successful environment, your swimmers will transition from becoming good high school swimmers to better college swimmers and to great USA swimmers in America quicker than you think. You know? And in your place, wherever you are, is the same thing. I think last time we had uh, coaches from Australia, you know, they did, uh, one of the top countries with swimming in the world, you know, top two, top three, you know, and they have to have, a, you know, a way, you know, it's not like in America, maybe that at the age of 18, they lose their swimmers, but they have systems where they can have the kids, you know, and they have some good traditions and, you know, they keep producing swimmers. So uh, the last thing, you know, very important, the TEP, Tradition, Excellent, Passion. And I think you skip in mind, this is a very important sentence. You know, 
the destiny of, of your team is not a matter of chance. It is a matter of choice. Uh, the choices that you make about the TEP, the tradition, excellence, and passion, will most likely decide the fate of your team. Right? It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have about things. It's about yourself. It's about the environment. It's about how you, with all the knowledge that you have, also are able to create that tradition, that excellence, you know, and that passion that your parents, your swimmers, and yourself and your coaches can can move everything. So, anybody has anything? Comments? Did I any any questions or anything? I know it's a very it's it's not about energy systems and this and that, and we can. If you guys want, we can talk about that. But any questions about any of this? Nothing. That's awesome. I have I have a question, Sergio. Uh -huh. uh, well, I have a question. I would like to, when I look at the tradition, excellence, and passion, the tap, and I think about tradition as culture, because I think all the, especially Asia, has a lot of tradition, each country has their own very, you know, they have their traditions they like to keep. Excellence is something also that must be part of the culture. And passion, I think, is something more personal. Everybody expresses differently. So from your point of view, when you look at tradition, to create tradition, in a, you know, each country is different, but there is, must be, maybe there is a process, like, a, I'm not saying a standard, you know, we like a standard in the U.S., no? we like to put standard things so we know what to do, but what will be the, key elements to have or create tradition and excellence in a team or maybe in a, in a country, in a national team? What will be the, the elements that you need to have? And I'm not saying maybe in, in, in order, but in general, what elements we need to create tradition based I, on what we want to accomplish? I think, for example, tradition starts, when, you, when you're in a place, you need to study that place and understand what it is that you can use to create a tradition. You know, and maybe 30 years ago, they had some very good swimmers. Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe, maybe you have to start from the bottom and come up with a strategy to, to, to build something. Like, for example, in Singapore, I presented something like this to the, um, to what was the minister of sports, one, uh, one of the guys. That, that, uh, I don't remember his name. He's, uh, you know, but uh, and when I presented this, you know, one of the things that we came out, he was very good, and um, we came out with a thought process of creating a mascot, right? Creating a mascot for the national training center that will spread to the national team, and like, and we came out with the Red Lions, and that was a fiasco because uh, there was a Red Lions uh, uh, parachute team, or I don't know, and it, it got very complicated just because. That, that, that group of people that were called the Red Lions, uh, they're in the military. They thought that even though they have you know, no publicity of anything, they thought that if there was another group that was called Red Lions, that was going to take away from them. And we had to cut it. We had already the logos and this, and we had to cut it because it was going to become a national problem. You know? And, 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 but if we had, if we had been able to, maybe not the Red Lions, to come up with something together, so the 33 people in that center could focus on that and start building something that would spread to the, as a national thing for the swimming, that would have been a tradition. Make sense? So, so it's like creating symbols, like creating something symbolic that well, has some no, meaning? No, like we created the Red Lions, and under the Red Lions, you have a structure of like commitment, excellence, you know, like we try to teach them that being part of the National Training Center or being part of the national team is not a privilege. It's not a right, like they all thought. It's a privilege. And what you, how you work towards that, you know, in the past, you have kids that have been in the national team since they were 12 years old because there's not nobody else good. So they think it's a given and I deserve to be in the national team. So that's not a good thing. You know, you have to have certain steps, but you have to build those steps depending on the culture. 
You know, if I went up to the kids and tell them, hey, you're not that good. You were here when you were, you were to the SEA Games when you were 12, you're 18 years old, and in my opinion, you're garbage. I would have lost my job, you know, because you cannot do that. You have to learn to understand and start putting, okay, let's talk about uh, it's, not a, it's not a right, it's a privilege, and why it's a privilege, and why representing your country, and try to educate them, you know. And then when you go to competitions, you can represent something. Besides, Singapore is very important, but you go as a national training center with the Red Lions. You know what I mean? And we, we train like that. It's like in my team right now, or oh, a uh, uh, balls, uh, uh, we were the Bulldogs or the Sharks. The Sharks were the USA team, and with the school, we were the Bulldogs. And we had our T-shirts, and we had our cheers, and being a Bulldog was a big deal. Why? Because... We had a tradition for many years. We won, what, 30 state championships. The years that I was there, we won four national championships back-to-back. That's huge. And when I got there, we had nothing. We had a a few years that were struggling, and we had to figure it out, how to rebuild that tradition. We didn't have to start from zero. You know, in in Singapore, we had to start from zero. At West Virginia... We had to start from zero. In West Virginia, we built a tradition around one son, country roads, and you know it. You know? And country roads, it's a, it's a very, it's a song about West Virginia, and we took, and you know, that a lot of the West Virginia University people feel identified, but anybody from the state of West Virginia feels identified. And we had kids from Croatia, from Mexico, from Germany, from all these countries that to this day. You put country roads and they get goosebumps for what we built around that. Make sense? So a tradition is something, you know, that you have to start small. Like, for example, for us, our tradition is around ho- the, being a hockey. Huh? Now, before I got here, they had a little bit of dysfunctionality trying to be a hockey. So you have to learn to teach them how to, you know, understand that being a hockey is also a privilege that you have to have certain certain standards and we train this way we think this way we support one another you know basic things respect has anybody else have any questions or anything come on guys Morning, Serge. Um, hey, Jill. I, <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, the, the, the message that you're sending is, uh, is tremendous. And um, I've tried to uh, repeat that um, message or those lessons to, to my swimmers the same. Uh, so some of the examples that I give them, uh, I'm, I'm based in Singapore, but um, is sort of what, what makes a difference between um, an American athlete and everyone else. And um, uh, so there, there, there's hundreds of uh, videos at, at the Olympic level, the world championship level, is that um, when the chips are down um, or something has not gone right, um, we see that the generally the Americans, time after time after time, they... Uh, find something special to, uh, uh, to, to really raise the level. Um, one of the examples that, uh, that, that I give often is, um, uh, I forget her name right now, but it was the, the gymnast who, she had to vault for the American team um, in the Olympic Games. And uh, on her first vault, uh, she broke her foot. Um, it wasn't required for her to uh, do the vault again, but uh, on her second attempt, uh, she she completed that vault um, with a broken foot, um, and uh, I think the bottom line, what you say, is uh, that that sense of uh, pride um, in competing for not only yourself but something something bigger than yourself, um, your team, or or especially in, in America, um, like representing your country, the, that deep deep sense of pride, which um, uh, I think the Americans especially have have instilled. Um, amongst their athletes is, is really the, the key difference between 
the success of the sport uh, between the Americans and, and, and the rest of the world. Um, my own example, when you speak about the, uh, the people starting to get emotional singing country roads, um, when I coached in California, the same. Uh, I, I was surprised my first few swim meets at the age group level before every swim meet um, uh, in San Diego, they, they play the uh, American national anthem. And uh, definitely San Diego is a very uh, military, a big military base. Um, and we have a lot of sort of the retired Navy SEALs and uh, a lot of retired uh, U.S. Marines um, who fought and represented the country in a, in a military style. But uh, to me, that's it, something, uh, it is like a goose pump effect before every swim meet, whether it's a, a sea level uh, uh, competition or, or uh, junior nationals. Um, the, the whole community around the swimming pool stops. Um, even the children in warm-up, they just stop swimming and uh, they, they're stuck there in the middle of the pool while, while somebody uh, sings the, the, the national anthem. And definitely that's the, that sense of that culture, like you speak about, that, that pride, that culture, um, that tradition. Um, for me, is really the key difference um, between what, what the American athletes in general are able to achieve um, over the, uh, the rest of Europe or, or even, even the rest of the world. Well, I think, I think Jill, you're, you're right. You know, like uh, if you see Singapore in the last few years have, has been going to the uh, <clears throat> junior pump packs. And that's one, one of the meets that I proposed when I was there is that we had to take our juniors to junior pump packs. And the reason why is because the first time that when I became American, and the first thing after a couple of months of becoming American, I was appointed as one of the coaches for the junior national team. And, um, and we went to Hawaii for the uh, junior pan packs. And I cannot understand, I couldn't believe the sense of pride that they had, you know. They had. They, they came in with flags, with this, with that. One of the nights before the meet started, we had a Navy SEAL too that came in and, and talked about his experiences and this and that. And the whole group of people just got next to the Navy SEAL and they were cheering and this. And the, the energy over there, there's no other team that could have that energy. You know? And one of the reasons why I wanted Singapore to go, and I think the times that they've gone, they they felt that because I know Sonia has shared that with me and is how you have the Australians, you have the Americans, you have the Japanese, you have uh, sometimes some Chinese, but these three countries, that's what they do. And the Canadians, they just like, they bring their young kids and they make them understand what it is to be part of something special. And we're talking about being part of a country, of uh, like competing for your country. But it's the same thing at the club level. You know, the pride that you have for being of the Swim Dolphia Swim Club or from the uh, Swim Fast Swim Club, whatever club it is, and how you can create an honest uh, way of having pride in that. You know? And that's the key. That's the key of being successful. I could care less, but people tell me, oh, if you organize yourself this way, this way, this way, and you follow this plan, you will be good. Well, that's very mechanical, and people are not that mechanical. You know, you have to have a plan. You have to ta 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 ta. But you have to understand how you can move people, and you people want to be part of something. You know, it's contagious. You know, it's like, and 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 I think that's that's very important. You know, um, you know, the, in the 2016 Olympics, the U.S. won the Olympic Games in the warm down pool. And just by the way they were cheering, the way they were supporting one another, when they had a bad swim, they still were cheering when they were coming back, and every other team was just quiet. After a couple of days, the Japanese tried to do something, but when one of their top swimmers didn't perform at the high level, they shut down. The Brazilians, they were, they were in their hometown, in their home field. They were nothing. They were on one side, just the coaches didn't, communicate with one another. One of the things that the American have is you have a coaching staff that maybe outside of being in the U.S. team, they don't like one another. But when they go as a team, they support one another. I have a, a, a when we were in the SEA Games, 
one of the top coaches in Singapore that was part of the, the, the national team. If I had the power, I would have kicked him out for what he did because he was so disrespectful to the team. But nobody knows about it. You know? And they, 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 support certain th they support certain things because they're afraid of, of you know, understanding that to represent Singapore, it's a privilege, it's not a right. And it doesn't matter who you are and how good you've been, that just because of that, you have the, the, the right to be there. So, you know, it's, that's a, I think that's the most important. Yeah, uh, I saw um, uh, somewhere I've learned along the line a, a message by uh, Dr. Dr. Councilman Ludak, um, uh -huh. where he said if you had uh, uh, four or eight uh, teams of equal age, equal talent, equal training, um, equal ability, equal resources, one is trained by a nutritionist, one is trained by a biomechanist, one is trained by a physiologist, one is trained by a, a psychologist. Uh, which one would win the competition and uh, the answer that uh, Dr. Councilman gave was the, the psychologist who's able to to motivate and instill that sense of pride and passion uh, in the kids wins every time. Oh. Um, Doc Councilman was a better psychologist than physiologist or biomechanist. Like he was, he had some great ideas but he, you know he, he, he was like, he always was seeing things from every swimmer and that was what made him very good you know his wife his wife was the one that organized all his thought processes margie you know because he just would come up with thoughts and ideas but he wasn't the type of person that he could sit down and this and you know he, he you know his wife was the brains behind him yeah so but he was an amazing psychologist but Anybody else? Anything? Nope. Come on, guys. Like, I think, you know, for me, to, to me, this is a very, I know you guys feel excited about, oh, I'm going to learn something. Why you guys don't share something about, how, is, how are things going for you, Jill, in Singapore? How are things going? Uh, thanks, uh, Jill, uh, for asking. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, uh, right now, uh, I've joined a, a new setup of Western schooling. Um, uh, it's a very different coming out of an international school to uh, working with the essentially a private club team. Um, but I carry I carry Joseph's uh, badge on, on my on my chest, and uh, working for Auntie May is uh, is something different. Um, uh, it, it's it's good, and at the same time, um, I'm setting up a, a new school team, a new international school team. Like you, like you've mentioned before, um, we're, we're starting from scratch. Um, some of my some of my assistants um, and, and colleagues are are on this video chat as well, um, listening in. But um, uh, definitely, it, it, it's motivating. Um, uh, in one sense, it's humbling, taking me back down to, to fundamentals and basics, um, but uh, uh, exciting. Uh, definitely, there's a, there's a new motivation. Um, there, there's a new energy. Of course, the, the virus has uh, slowed things down a, a little bit, but um, uh, our, our group of um, uh, sort of 10 to 12-year-olds is uh, the, the most exciting group in, in the team. Uh, the children are brand new to swimming. We started... Uh, with zero um, uh, zero kids in in January, and we within a couple of days we arrived at 276 kids. So um, uh, it was chaos um, and hysterical, but uh, super positive. There's a lot of energy and uh, a lot of excitement, and definitely uh, uh, I'm incredibly motivated and uh, uh, and excited about sort of the new season. Hopefully, we can start it in August. Um, uh, with, with the momentum and the, the energy that's been created around a, a brand new team starting from scratch. Um, it's, it's essentially my first time starting from scratch, uh, whereas in the past I've had to walk into existing programs and, and try clean up a mess um, in my own way. This time it's, uh, yeah, starting from zero and, and we're, we're having these conversations that you're speaking about, about uh, creating culture, 
uh, team first, um, uh, building on the energy that's been created uh, from, from January. And um, uh, it's exciting. I think one of the keys for me at the moment is that uh, where I find myself is that I have um, incredible support from, from the administration, the, the people that sit above me, the people who pay my, my salary. Um, and um, my, my coaches, um, definitely, uh, she's, she's sitting on this chat, but uh, I worked hard to, to recruit her. Uh, you spoke, I think, in your very first meeting with us about uh, being able to trust your, your support staff. And um, there's a coach here on this chat. Uh, I worked very hard to, uh, to get her over with me. Um, it's the one person in, that I've met so far that uh, I, I trust absolutely. And uh, uh, working together, she, she definitely improves on my, my weaknesses. And um, uh, I, I think we've got a, an incredible thing going. We have a brand new coach. Um, not from a swimming background, but from a big sports background, who's super motivated and uh, eager to learn. And um, uh, wh wh where I am right now is uh, I'm sort of stuck between do I do I develop him from a theoretical textbook curriculum kind of uh, style, or do I develop him purely from like a, an experiential type of style um, through, through the experiences um, and, and allow him to sort of figure it out and have me and um, my, my coach uh, mentor him along the way, or do I put him through like an ASCA course or a, a, a British swimming course um, to, to learn the textbook style. And so I, I'm caught in between the two pieces. But where I am right now, um, uh, I got to a point about six months ago, it was a very low point in, in my, my life, a very uh, dark place in terms of uh, swimming coaching. And uh, where I am right now, um, I don't think I've ever been more motivated than, than I have been right now in terms of uh, setting up something brand new in the way that I want to do it. And I, I have the support of my administration to to be able to go that way um, and, and create something which I think in in two to three years' time is going to be pretty special. I think, you know, uh, I, I will give you, I will give myself three to four years, you know, and I think it will be, it will be great. And I think that person, the new person that you hire, uh, just understand his, his strengths and try to, to utilize those and slowly teach them other things, you know. That's that's very most important. Make people feel, empower them to be the best that they can be in what they can do. And if you guys can work together, you you, you can do something special. I always believe uh, Singapore, uh, many Southeast Asian countries that I've been, like Indonesia, Singapore, uh, Malaysia. They, you guys have so much potential, you know, so much potential. That it's just, and you know. You have to just take baby steps, 